0: The theme, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In our passage today, we will discover disciples who think they have cornered the market on what it means to serve the Lord, only to discover they're not even close. From Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50, hear the word of God. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us, for truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water... To drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. I don't know about you, but I have never made an appointment on my calendar to cast out a demon. The closest I have come was at a middle school retreat with a kid named Michael Pierce. I remember his father being way too happy to drop him off at the church parking lot. Six days with Lucifer, I like to call it. But as it turned out with Michael, it was more about hormones than it was about demons. And eight months later, he grew out of it. I suspect he may be a parent today with a teenage son, I hope. Um, This is all to say, casting out demons is not in our day-to-day experience. But in the first century, the demonic forces existed everywhere, and they continually affected people's lives. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, wrote that demons were causing frenzy, suffocation, strangling, The demons were an outside force that would slither secretly past human defenses, clasping onto a good soul and infiltrating the bloodstream with a poison that would ignite a war between mind and body, disfiguring personalities, torturing the soul. An individual would become unrecognizable to family and friends, twisted and distorted, violent like a cancer that would kill the very thing it latched onto to give it life. teacher john interrupted we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us in the first century demons were everywhere and thus it became very easy to label anyone who didn't look like you think like you act like you as someone who had a demon And so it was that there was no one who looked differently, more differently, thought differently, acted differently than John the Baptist. And so it was that Jesus once had to say to some Pharisees, John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say that he has a demon. And so it was that no one ever looked differently, thought differently, acted differently than Jesus. And the scribes said of Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebub and by the prince of demons, he drives out demons. You see, Jesus cares for people on the Sabbath, he has a demon. He has mercy to those who who are racked by sin, and people say he has a demon. He touches people you weren't even supposed to come near, and people say he has a demon. He lives humbly and cannot be bought. He has a demon. Once there was a man with a demon who lived among the tombs, and there was no one who could restrain him, even with a chain, for he had been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke into pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. And Jesus saw him and said to him, Come out of him. And the demons flew out of him, entered into a swine, 2,000 swine, who went down an embankment and jumped into the sea. And the people came to see what had happened. And they saw Jesus, and then they saw the man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they began to beg Jesus to leave, 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 leave. It is easy to label anyone who doesn't look like you, act like you, sound like you, as being someone who has a demon. They said, leave, 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 leave. And so they took Jesus out from the city walls to a garbage dump and there they crucified him I suspect thinking because he must have a demon. In the first century, people saw demons everywhere, and they did some pretty stupid things. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. We tried to stop him. We, we tried we tried to stop him you see by the ninth chapter of mark's gospel the disciples aren't getting many wins they they try but they ain't they don't succeed it wasn't always that way early on in mark's gospel jesus sends out his disciples to go out and and rid the world of demons and cure and and tell the gospel. And they come home and they, they couldn't wait to share the stories of how well they did and the great things that were done in the name of Jesus. Success is all they have. But as the crowds grew, success goes to their heads and they begin to argue with one another about who is the greatest and they wonder who's on the right side of Jesus and who will sit on the left. And they are so empowered by their grandeur that they lean not into the power of God anymore. but into their own ego and stuff. And so when a woman brings her boy, a boy who is tortured with a spirit that seizes him, he becomes rigid, he foams at his mouth, he he grinds his teeth, the woman says to Jesus, I asked your disciples to cast out the demon. And they could not. And Jesus just groans and sighs and says, You faithless generation, how long must I be among you? When the disciples of Jesus are all about themselves, they have no understanding, they have no direction, they have nowhere to turn. And they have no power because they're all about themselves. John interrupts Jesus and says, Teacher, teacher, those closest to Jesus have no idea who he is. He's not just a teacher, he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Teacher. We saw someone casting out demons in your name. In other words, we saw someone who is being unchained and set free in your name. We saw goodness being done in your name. We saw someone given hope in your name we saw someone being given freedom in your name we saw someone given peace in your name we tried to stop that because he was not following us following us following us it's all about their egos not following us it's following jesus christ the son of god it is following taking up your cross and following me jesus christ following us people who are arguing about one to one another about who's the greatest following us people who are just arguing about who's going to sit on this side and who's going to sit up following us people who are all about counting how many followers there have following us Jesus isn't interested in people who follow themselves. It appears Jesus is looking for a few people who can exercise the demons out of this world. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was in a folding chair in the parking lot uh, behind Hillwood School. It's an odd place to find a seat. I was there because they were dedicating a store that was inside that school. It's a fine school with lots of sharp students. But apparently, for some of those students, they don't have. They don't have any food to eat. They don't have any medicine to speak of. They don't have supplies, paper, pencils. They don't have coats. They don't have. And so they set up this store so that some people could have I was in a parking lot, and behind me in the parking lot on that folding chair were some refrigerators, refrigerator freezers that were outside plugged in, humming away there in the parking lot. So that at any given time, day or night, Someone who is hungry could open the refrigerator and pull out a quart of milk and stick it in their backpack and have something to eat. That was behind me. In front of me was Michael Orr. I don't know if you know who Michael Orr is, unless maybe you watched the movie The Blind Side. Michael Orr is that once homeless kid in Memphis with the desire to succeed. And he saw playing football as one way in which he could succeed. And he was adopted by that family in Memphis and he made his way to the Baltimore Ravens and ultimately a Super Bowl championship. Michael Orr, (laughs) pick, right in front of him. And Michael Orr spoke about when he was a kid And he said, I remember at night being so hungry that I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I would fill a bowl of water with water and drink a bowl of water. And sometimes I'd have to drink four, five, six, seven bowls of water to stop the hunger pains so that I could sleep. He said, the man in the movie who owned the convenience store is portrayed a little poorly. He said, the man in real life who owned the convenience store knew I was stealing food. And he let me do it. As wrong as it was, because as right as it is, no child should be hungry. Not in this country. Not anywhere. He said he saw that man later on when he was a star at the Memphis airport and he embraced him and he thanked him for saving the life of a child. You don't want to make a child stumble. Better a millstone be cast around your neck and you be cast into the sea. Michael said, When I became a success, people said to me, You're a miracle. You're a miracle. And Michael said, If I'm a miracle, we need less miracles. Miracles. Jesus doesn't need people who sit around looking for followers and thinking that they're great. Jesus needs people who will see the demons that people are up against in this world, people who have no friends, no hope, no food, no life, People need to look around and see those people as children of God and what they're up against and what makes them cry at night. And then, in the name of Jesus, go out and write the world to cast the demons out. It would be a shame if there were people who on a Sunday morning... We're just singing songs and praying prayers and thanking Jesus and blah, blah, blah and trying to make the budget and wondering if we have the numbers and getting into all sorts of arguments that won't amount to a hill of beans in 10 years, 15 years, or five months. While someone else who doesn't go to church is filling a refrigerator in the back parking lot of some school with a quart of milk and some cheese and some bread looking every bit like Jesus. Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Look at your front of your bulletin cover. This is just a slice, just a small slice, just a thin slice of how we are about in this world in the name of Jesus, casting out all those things that are against people and saying in the name of Jesus, our Lord is with you, always is with you. This is who we are, followers of Christ. As for me and my house, I, we, Westminster, will always, always serve the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen.